0: Laying up to the 9-foot homemade oak bar, pour yourself a cold one. My name is Chris, his name is Ed, and do not forget, Toberfest Socks in the Basement Toberfest kicks off in about a week. The first event is the Dixie Highway Brewery Trail Oktoberfest at Blue Island Beer Company in the heart of Blue Island. Uh, it's basically right along Old Western Road.
1: 13357 Old Western Avenue, Blue Island, Illinois, 60406, the Blue Island Beer Company.
0: Yeah, here's the thing. I, I always just remember what it is because I get on Western Avenue, I head south, I go through Blue Island, all of a sudden I'm going over a bridge, and as I come down the bridge, there is the beautiful Blue Island Beer Company off to my right. Right, it's right there. You can see it from the road. I'm still one of those guys that navigates Chicago on a feeling and understanding how the streets intersect and doesn't use an app for that. You know, I mean, I'm I'm an old guy. That's that's how I find things. Okay, boomer. (laughs) I got called that today. I got called okay, boomer today. I know. I'm not a boomer. First of all, Gen Xers like me laugh when we get called the boomer, because guess what? We're neither a boomer or millennial or whatever else you want to call yourself. We're the coolest of all the generations. We're Generation X.
1: We're, we're sitting back drinking beers, watching the boomers and millennials fight each other and going like, you do realize you're like parent and child, right? And we're just the middle kids that are sitting here watching all this go down. Yeah,
0: I'm going to explain why I got called that here in just a quick second. But I want you to know that the Dixie Highway Brewery Trail Oktoberfest tickets are only 40 bucks. You go to Eventbrite.com. Get them while you can. When they run out, they are gone. Let me list off the breweries that are going to be on this thing. Horse Thief Hollow, Open Outcry. Blue Island Beer Company, Evil Horse Brewing, Flossmore Station Brewery, Rabid Brewing, One Trick Pony, and Thornton Distilling, which has some of the greatest pours. I'm telling you, the spirits they have in this, they have a, a pecan whiskey that has no sugar, no additives. They actually take roasted pecans yeah. and they just roll the whiskey through the pecans. It's absolutely insane. I'm looking forward to that one. Yeah, I hope they're bringing that one to the fest. Remember, you're drinking all you want to for three hours from two until 5 p.m. Beers,
1: brought chips, fire pits, swag. 40 bucks get you a lot on this one.
0: Next weekend, 26th of September. Get your tickets on eventbrite.com. And now let's talk about why I was called a boomer. Uh, I was called a boomer because I got angry on Wednesday night at the baseball game. Why'd you get upset, Chris? Well... It's a very intense moment in a game where it's tied. I'm already kind of ticked off at Tony La Russa. And, I, and I, I'm going to say this right off the bat. I, I give Tony a lot of leeway. I didn't like the way he was hired. I didn't like the process. But here's a guy that took a team that had massive injuries and got them to this point. So you try to give him the benefit of the doubt. And it seems like against really big-time opponents, opponents he might face in the postseason lately, he's done a very good job managing. But against the Angels in game two of that series this week on Wednesday night, Gavin Sheets was so important getting him from second to third that you gave up Larry Garcia in a bunt. And then, you know, just a batter or so later, you've got him running on contact from third base and he's gunned down. And I'm like, if that runner was so valuable to get to third, why are you just letting him just get cut down on a ground ball? There's only one out in the inning. I didn't get it. Some people might disagree with me, but like that runner was so important. You gave up an out for it. And then you turn around and you just let him get gunned down by like 20 feet. And I don't know why the contact play was on, but just skip past that. Michael Kopeck's on the mound and he's doing wonderfully. It's a tie ball game. And then morons, Ed morons start the wave out in the bleachers. Now I am not the fun police. And this is why I got called "okay Boomer on Twitter, because, uh, you know, that's the response whenever anybody says that what you're doing is ridiculous is to just throw an insult out and call them old. But this has got nothing to do with being old. This is not old man yelling at a cloud. I liken it to this. If your football team, let's say you're a Bears fan and they miraculously are on the five yard line about to go in in a big game, right? Like first, they got to get to that point. But let's say they get to that point. And
1: this is a true hypothetical this Yeah, a true
0: year. hypothetical. All right? And they're at home, and you're a Bears fan, and they might need to call an audible because it's fourth down and goal from the five at the end of the ball game. It's an intense moment, maybe, in the third quarter, wherever it is. You don't scream and make a ton of noise so you can't call an audible. You don't do something that's distracting to your offense. You would hush. Just like when the when your defense is trying to defend, you make a ton of noise to disrupt the quarterback. So I don't understand in a tie ball game or one run game late where it's an intense ball game and it's good baseball. This isn't a blowout. This isn't early in the game. This is late in the game in a very well played Tight ball game, which the managers are doing all kinds of crazy managerial baseball things. You got Joe Madden versus Tony La Russa, and they're just like, what little thing can I pull out? And I'm going to do this little move here, and we're going to do this sacrifice, whatever. All right? It's a chess match. And in the middle of it, you're going to start a wave. It's a distraction for the team. It shows a lack of interest in the game. I mean, what? I, I get it. Some people don't care about the game. There was a whole group of fans that we used to laugh about up on the north side that would go sit in the bleachers all the time and it was more of a singles club than a group of people that went to a baseball game. That was always the joke. They never really cared if they won or if they lost. It was just a big beer garden. And I'm sure there's people that go to the ballpark now and to them it's like, hey, I'm just happy I'm out. What's the score again? But the problem is when the entire stadium starts participating in this ridiculousness, which is the wave, which is a distraction possibly to your pitchers, and shows a lack of respect to the home team. If I were a player in an intense game and my home ballpark started doing the wave, instead of paying attention to the game, I'd be insulted by it. And I think a lot of the players are insulted by it, but they're not going to say anything about it because then it'd be like, oh, you can't pick on your fans. So I'll say it for them. Knock it off in those situations. All right? In blowouts, go crazy. I don't care. Thursday night would have been perfect time to do that, right? right? Do it then. What are you doing it for late in the game? when we're trying to get the third out. And the greatest thing about it, it was the baseball gods had that home run that broke a 2-2 tie and made it 3-2. Land in the section that was starting it out there. It was as if they pointed to them and said, hey, look, I know you're not used to this, White Sox fans, but knock that off. Now, of course, I was, you know, there were a lot of people who agreed with me when I, when I made a post about that. But, I, you know, some of them just implied that I'm just, you know, an old fogey who hates fun. I love fun. I love fun at the ballpark. Don't do things that are detrimental to your team. The most important thing is winning baseball games. Knock that crap off. I don't want to see that at all in the, in the playoffs. There should be a no point, there is no reasonable point in the postseason for the wave at the rate. Unless the game is over, we've won, and we're just doing it now because it's like, you know, I don't know, we're mocking it. It's, 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 it's sarcastically being done at the end. We're laughing as we're hoisting a trophy, we're just doing a random wave. That's fine. Otherwise, I don't want to see it.
1: So what if we're actually like crowd surfing Larry Garcia through the crowd and doing the wave that way and trying to get him up to the upper deck? Does that count?
0: That's totally cool. After a victory, I'll be the after first the tra- one that started. Yes. Not during the game. Not get, in playoff games in high intense situations late in the game. When the game is close, it shouldn't be going on. It, it's, there's a time and a place. Just like there was a time and a place to cheer and a time and a place to be quiet at a football game. Think of it that way. This episode brought to you by Family Waterproofing Solutions, our proud sponsors. You heard the ad at the beginning of the show. Do not forget, you can call them 24 hours a day, seven days a week at 708-330-4466. Mention socks in the basement and uh, you get money off. Check out all they can do at familydry.com and make sure that water stays away from your home. The other thing that's driving me nuts that caused problems where I got a lot of people who are, you know, annoyed with me is that I pointed out that this team is playing under 500. They're at 500 to under 500 basically this entire month of September, depending on what day you pick. They are not hot. They are not rolling. They, they are coasting. They keep saying they're not going to coast. They keep saying, Tony La keeps saying all these games matter, and everybody keeps going, oh, he's managing every game like it's the World Series. Well, I hope not, because if the, we're not going very far if this is what's, if, if this that's is that's the it. case,
1: they're going to be, they're going to lose it early on,
0: yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, that's also driving me nuts. And right away, people tried to argue with me on the whole thing. One guy actually went back and looked at every World Series winner since 2000 and came up with three teams that played under 500. My statement on Twitter was, generally, teams that do this in September don't win World Series. So three out of 21 teams, because 2000 through 2020, that's actually 21 seasons, because you got to count the zero there. Three out of 21. One-seventh. Of of teams that are at 500 or under win the World Series, so the vast majority do not. You cannot turn this on when you get to uh, to the playoffs.
1: No, you can't. There's no there's no such thing as the switch. That 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 is the most cliched thing in sports, and it's not just baseball, but any sport where they say, well, "Yeah, we well, can flip the switch as soon as the games matter," or "We can flip the switch as soon as the playoffs come." You know, or you got a veteran who doesn't need. Uh, you know, it doesn't need a lot of work because they could just flip the switch as soon as everything's ready to go. Now, there's there's a mentality here that you have to have. And, you know, I, again, I go back to a show that happened in mid-July when Don Paul, who was a Major League Baseball player for a decade, parts of it anyhow, uh, said that one of the things that happens is that there is a different mentality coming to the ballpark when you are fighting for something versus when you are just playing out the
0: string. Maybe, Ed, people believe that the team could be like Sylvester Stallone in the movie Over the Top. When I turn my head around, I flip a switch. Like that. Right. That's my best slide. That's all I could do. I don't even know. It, it did, was terrible. I'm that, was, I that
1: was awful. I, I was worried for a second that you need to try and smile and raise both arms up so we're making sure nothing bad is happening.
0: Thursday night, the wife and I decided to go out, get out of the house, have a couple of beers, and we headed over to Cork and Cary in Beverly, 10614 Southwestern Avenue, the sister bar to Cork and Kerry at the park, which is a Southside tradition in the shadow of the ballpark, 33rd and Princeton before, during, after games, the award-winning burgers. But we are out in Beverly, and we stopped in, saw the big, beautiful Irish bar that they have right in the front with all the different uh, beers on tap and the, the full liquor bar behind it. And it's almost like a historical place when you walk in there. It's one of the go-to places, one of the go-to Irish pubs in chicago not only the south side in chicago and as we're walking back to go out onto their beautiful patio and and have a couple of drinks and look at the we're going to watch uh the thursday night football game on the on the flat screen tvs that are outside there uh as we were walking by she sees one of those rooms that you could rent out big giant rooms that they have where you can have parties you can rent these out they got different sizes depending on uh, what kind of party that you're going to have and she just was a marveled at it she's like i had no idea This was that big. Well, that's what you get when you give her more than 10 seconds to take it all in. And we head outside and we sit down and we have a couple of drinks and I get a Guinness that's poured the right way and enjoyed a beautiful fall evening out there. Uh, If you're in the area, you're watching a White Sox game at home, why do that? Uh, Go visit them today, 10614 Southwestern Avenue, and learn more about them and how you can get one of those big, beautiful rooms for a party at CorkandCarrieBeverly.com. On the phone line with me right now, he's one third of the original trilogy that has grown into a movement in a section behind a foul pole down the first base line. You may have heard of Section 108. These are uh, a group of fans that I don't want to call a cult. Um, In fact, they're more of like a like a brotherhood, sisterhood of White Sox fans through thick and thin. Uh, they, they're they a really fun group of guys. They love to drink, uh, partying, and watching the White Sox is considered to be 108-ing. And just recently, our guest, who goes by several names, in the 108, he's Beef Loaf, uh, but when he's sitting in a hot tub after winning Sox math, he's Mr. Delicious with his shirt off and his guns out. You are the most confident man I've ever met.
2: How are you, Beef? <laughs> Wonderful, Chris. Long time no talk, buddy. I mean, we were talking before we got on here. We really need to get together and have a beer. But yes, I I am fairly confident. I don't know where it comes from because I'm not a handsome man. You can see my gigantic nose right there. It's right next to my my uh, my breast assist that right. we're showing on the socks math and uh in, in my hot tub but uh yeah it's just fun i mean they seem to enjoy it the the people at uh at, at nbc sports seem to enjoy it jason Benetti will send me a dm i really loved the video you know you, you killed it or something so how can i stop i gotta keep going every time i went socks hot tub joys for everybody
0: that's awesome that was wednesday night the uh the last video that you uh had aired uh during the game for the socks math and how many takes did it take for you to hit the rim and miss that basketball shot at the end?
2: <laughs> uh, honest, honest truth, I did three takes, and the reason why I used and that was that the best big one. Big that was the best one, far and away the best one, because I nailed the spinning the ball on my finger. Ah. See, that was the key to that part. And when I got done with doing those first three, I thought I could do some more takes and make sure I make the shot. But it'll be more of a thing on Twitter if I miss the shot, because then everyone can come and dunk on me that all oh, that dummy beefloaf missed the shot. And I'm like, so I'm like, this is totally how I'm going to do it. And sure enough, I was getting all the gifts sent at me, the, the Carlton from Fresh Prince and, you know, the, the Lakers guy who shoots it and turns around and the, the ball rims out. So it had the desired effect.
0: That's awesome. All right. I want your take on this. I already know how your section feels about it. You guys have been longstanding detractors of the wave in the ballpark. I was in the ballpark on Wednesday, as I know you were, and uh, I just I can't accept that it's acceptable to do the wave late in a game when it's close. I compare it to if your quarterback was on the five trying to score and you were in the end zone and it's your home team. And you're making too much noise for him to audible. I don't know why fans are doing that in crucial moments of the game late. I get the fun. I'm that old man who yells at a cloud. But there was a time and a place. And I hate the thing. And people need to start to understand when to do it, when not to do it. Is there an acceptable time to do the wave in that ballpark? I
2: mean, I think there probably is. Although for us as a group, we're anti-wave. And that's been a bit for us for going all the way back to the beginning of it. We even have shirts that uh, designate that you shouldn't be doing the wave. Um, In that particular moment, uh, absolutely uh, absurd, especially when you have a young man on the mound who really could use a little bit of quiet for concentration. That's Michael Kopech. And everyone in our section burst out and were yelling about how the the wave was responsible for giving up that run, for for that loss. And people were even questioning, is there a metric for waves ERA? Is there, what, is, what is the ira for the wave that's what people were asking us and i'm like i don't know i, I went to fangrass. i didn't see it maybe someone could develop
0: you know what's amazing is that the home run was hit directly into the section that was starting the wave yes <laughs> that section also had the only two fights that i saw in the stadium that night the bleachers are out of control right now what is yes. your thought looking across at the bleachers uh i mean at, at times i go man that's fun at other times i go but that's why I, when i brought my kids i sat in right field instead of left
2: yeah, materially, I look at it and think, I'm so glad I'm not sitting there. Like, I, I, so, <laughs> those are the seats I do, definitely do not want to be in. And, you know, we're in the lower corner. You, As you mentioned, we're right behind the right-field foul pole, and we always take pictures making fun of how the foul pole's right in our view. Those are the cheapest seats in the lower level. And so, if, in our opinion, that's kind of a nice, cozy spot to be. The, the bleachers have been a free-for-all this year, and even before, like early in the season, and not against a contentious opponent, you would see fights out there in the left-field bleachers and, and we were sort of blaming it on, well, we just came out of a pandemic. People are first getting out there. They're overdoing it, partying a little too much. It seems to be lasting. So I don't know if this is like younger uh, generation of fans kind of are a little more aggressive in the ballpark. And us old guys with low T, we don't, you know, we're not usually looking to fight when we go to a baseball. We want to have a couple beers and watch the game. So I'm not exactly sure what's what's causing all the ruckus. But uh, trust me, if there were only seats available, we're in left field beachers, I'll just say them.
0: <laughs> what do you think about the overall fan experience you guys go all the time um i i know that one of you is the nephew of brooks boyer i've always made that joke that's, with that's you that's because, yeah, yeah right. i mean <laughs> I, exactly uh, brooks brooks loves you guys but uh and he won't come on my show i've said him pizzas flowers <laughs> but you guys are out there all the time there's been problems this year people getting in the ballpark lines it was a pretty good crowd at the last game i was at and it looked like they had fixed some of that i started to see beer vendors for the first time, how do you feel they're doing uh, going into the postseason?
2: I mean, I think the start of the year, the way they handled it, sort of when we were in strict restricted seating was good. They did a good job. Everything was it was easy to see kind of what needed to be done or what didn't. The moment that we spread out to 100 percent or roughly 100 percent, they forgot what it looks like when a ballpark is going to be full or even like more full than you're used to. Because even the weeknight games are like in the Tampa series. You know, on Monday, Tuesday night, there's 22, 23, 23,000 people there. They just weren't used to the capacity. And so they've had a lot of stumbling blocks all along. Like you were t- like you mentioned, lines outside the ballpark and and ven- vendor lines just getting so line- long. And, and they've remedied a bunch of that. Like, you'll see a bunch more beer tubs kind of spread out there, especially on the concourse and the in the outfield. You've seen they've done a better job getting people in the ballpark. Like I haven't had a wait in the ballpark now for probably a month going to the games. And we show up sometimes late, you know, and, and kind of – we. You, we're at kind of after the tailgate or coming in with the tailgate crowd. So I think maybe that's probably helping too. It's breaking up a little bit. So people want to go in for the giveaways first, then you got the tailgate crowd. So you have separate crowds that are kind of going into the stadium. So it's improved little by little, but even now there's not a sufficient amount of beer vendors are just starting to get them to come down. Like I would say we're probably at this point, even still only buying about 20% of our beers from a vendor that walks down that we didn't pre-order on an app or something So that's kind of a small amount. Whereas in the past, we were buying almost 100 percent of our beer from vendors that were walking through the
0: season. And the 108 enjoys beer. I am just thinking of a like a sign maybe when the wave starts in the postseason where you guys just hold
2: it up and say wave
0: stops right here. And you just you just knock it down and section 108.
2: (laughs) That's a great idea. We, although ever since uh, post-COVID, we tend to all pack light. I mean, some of the fellas, they used to bring backpacks and they'd have baseballs and things they can get signed and all this stuff. But now with kind of less player contact, uh, you know, due to the pandemic, partially due to the, uh, there being a a big fence kind of all around a big netting around uh, as a group, we pack light. So I don't know if someone wants to get that uh, sign into the stadium for us, we'd be happy to hold it up. (laughs) No doubt about it.
0: I might have to make one for you. I, I <laughs> might, it might be something that we have to put together. Who knows? We're, we're going to have to figure something out. My friend, I look forward to uh, having a beer with you. Hopefully at some point here during the postseason, that will happen. And uh, I will make it over there the next time I'm inside of the ballpark, uh, which uh, we're going to have some meaningful games that uh, you and I are going to be inside of that, uh, that stadium. And that's exciting. Two years in a row a postseason. But we couldn't go see it in person last year, but we get to go see it in person this year, and I cannot wait. I appreciate you jumping on Sox in the basement.
2: Thanks so much, Chris. Thrilled, and uh look forward to seeing you soon, my friend.
0: Hey, Sox fans, in the southwest suburbs, Daverns Tavern and Lounge in Justice, Illinois, has something for everyone. Located at 8527 West 79th Street, they have this large fat party room to host an event for up to 150 people. They have a massive outdoor beer garden, horseshoes, cornhole. In fact, they host the Midwest largest blind draw bags tournament every Monday night. With a major and minor league, all skill levels are welcome to Man Cave Mondays, and live music with DJs on the weekends. Chicago Bears fans, there's free food during all Bears games. And Daverns is a White Sox bar. During Sox games at Daverns, 250 Miller Lite bottles, $2 UV bombs, $12 pizzas, 8527 West 79th Street, learn more at davernstavern.com remember if you ever want to talk to us here at socks in the basement there's many different ways that you can do it there's still a 24 hour seven day a week phone line that you can give a call to Uh, there's no message on it so it gets a little confusing but we use skype to be able to allow people to call from their phones 708-459-8406 but the easier way is to go to SocksInTheBasement.com because there's a little blue microphone in the bottom right-hand corner. Sometimes it shows up red. It's a microphone. Don't worry about the color. Click on the microphone, whatever color it is, and you can leave a voicemail from any device that has a microphone installed on it, like your iPad, your iPhone, whatever. You got a microphone attached to your, your laptop. I don't care. Just go on there. You can leave us a voice message. We'll play it, or you can go to the contact page, and you can write us a message. Scott Van Eck reached out and sent us a message this week. I'm going to read it for you, Ed. And here it is. Is it me or do teams no longer retaliate for hitting batters? How many times are our guys going to get beamed with no payback? Maybe I'm being unsportsmanlike, but it pisses me off. And uh, I agree with him because I, I can't understand why the White Sox don't hit more batters. The Otani plunking the other day looked like Mike Wright Jr. was just a bad pitcher. It didn't look intentional. to me. he is a bad pitcher. I want it to be intentional because they should be plunking Otani, okay, in a safe way, not off his helmet, but they they should be plunking him after Luis Robert takes one off the helmet and Abreu gets hit yet again in this series, and you're getting blown out. Yeah, hit somebody for crying out loud. Show some fire. I'm becoming Mike North here as I scream and I yell, but that's how I feel.
1: (laughs) Well, but it isn't it isn't something where you're not, you know, you're imagining things. Oh, you know, there's no retaliation. There's no going back, uh, back and forth here. I was curious myself because I, and I feel like Abreu's gotten plunked more this year than he has at other points in his career. And, And that's more recency bias than anything else, because he's at 19 this year. He's tied for fourth in the league with Anthony Rizzo, who, by the way, gets hit a lot in his career. Uh, so it's not surprising that Rizzo's up there, but Abreu's got 19. That's going to be a career high for him. Uh, you know, he's only finished in the top five of being hit by pitch in the league three times in his career. 2015, he was third with 15. 2016, he was fifth with 15 hit by pitches. Uh, 2017, he was fourth in the league at the end of the year with, again, 15. So he's already at 19. He just has not been hit in games with Sox pitchers, have gone back and also hit a batter. The Sox, as a staff, have only hit 46 batters this year. They have nine games only where they've hit more than one guy. Of those, only May 11th is a game where Abreu got hit. And I don't know the order of these. I didn't go back and rewatch the games to tell you if there was Abreu gets hit and then the hit-by-pitch comes back later. But really, there's only six games. Six games out of the 19 times that Jose Abreu's been hit this year where the White Sox have a hit-by-pitch on the stat sheet. So you are not imagining it. There is not a tit-for-tat going on. Abreu gets hit, and then the Sox pitchers do not just, they statistically just don't have a hit batsman there. So it's not necessarily a situation where Abreu's the retaliation for a White Sox pitcher hitting a batter or vice versa. And the thing the other night with Mike Wright getting thrown out, you know, I I understand where LaRusso was coming from, where he's sitting there going, what, are you kidding me? You're worried about stuff that happened on Monday, and you think we're retaliating now for Monday night? Right. No, like, you know, that's it, it is insane. And, and I, I know there's some things about you get that warning and then you get, you know, guys get ejected, things like that. It's, you know, they do have to watch it. But I don't think that Scott's wrong in, in his observation because as I'm looking at it, just on the sheer numbers of when is a Bray you hit, for example, and he's leading the team, uh, when do Sox pitchers hit guys in those games? Six out of 19 times. That's it. I mean, that's not even half. Here's the thing I don't understand.
0: I had a manager at the beginning of the year early on say publicly that he totally understood why an opposing team would hit his player because the guy hit a home run off of a position player pitching. And that's, what's crazy to me. That to me seems far less egregious. What Yerman Mercedes did hitting a bomb on a three Oh count against a position player pitching that, that isn't as bad as if, let's say, the White Sox would have beamed one of the Twins players, one of their stars, and hit him in the head. All right? Then then I would understand the Twins coming back at us. So that's what's confusing to me, is that I have a manager who's publicly stated that he totally understands when another team throws at his team, which means he feels that there are times when it is perfectly acceptable for you to hit the opposing team. There are There are reasons for pitchers to target batters. That's what he's saying when he makes those comments a few months ago. But yet, for some reason, it seems like there is no reason for his pitchers to ever target another team's batters, to never put one off of some guy's hip because they're sick of watching Jose Abreu get hit in the elbow. I mean, he took that one right near his elbow the other day. Imagine if that's a little bit off to the side and you lose him for the playoffs. And I know that he leans over to plate, but at some point, I would just like to see, hey, you know what? We're going to protect our guys. And you, you want to call me a meatball for that, fine. But it, I don't get it. And, the, and I think the thing that I really don't get is if it was a philosophy that Larusa had shown his entire career where he just doesn't do that, then I would say, okay, he just doesn't do that. But I heard from his mouth earlier this year that there are acceptable times for his guys, his guys, to be hit by another team. So if, if that's how he feels about the game of baseball, that's why I'm perplexed by this. That's why I can't wrap my head around it. So I'm, I'm with the guy who, who put the message on the message board. I I, I don't understand it either. I, I get it if it's a close game. I even got it when they were low on players and they had so many injuries. And they're like, we, we can't get into a beanball war with somebody and somebody gets injured. Why are we messing with this? But now at this point, I, I don't see a reason not to do it. I, it, it almost seems like you have to Just to tell people like, hey, we're not going to get pushed around again, though. I think this goes back to the original point at the beginning of the show. We're not firing on all cylinders. We don't have an edge. We're losing our edge. Okay. By losing more games than we're winning, we're losing our edge going into the postseason. That's what concerns me. There's got to be a point in time where you put the armor on and you go to war and it's take every single game from this point on. And I don't think you can have that mentality where you're like, all right, today's the day, guys. Get your edge and get ready for battle. I I don't think you can do that when the season ends. Now is the time to ramp that up. That's my biggest fear with this team. Like, I'm so happy that we're winning. I'm so excited that we're going to a postseason. I can't wait for postseason baseball. I had a blast the other night on Wednesday night at the game with the exception of the wave thing. I had an absolute blast. I had a great time with my kids. I can't wait to go to another ball game. I absolutely love this team, and I I, I want them to go very, very far, but it, it, I have this trepidation and this fear, and it's a, it's a lack of edge, and it's almost like it's becoming duller by the day when it should be getting sharpened.
1: Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement.